You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, dear listeners. So glad that you're joining us again for another episode of the Horizons Church Podcast. But as you may or may not be aware, I am currently on sabbatical. And so while I am out of pocket, we thought that it would be fun and a little blast from the past to go through some episodes in the archive and present to you some of our best of episodes. The episodes that have been classic, that listeners have told us they've come back to again and again, or things that have been downloaded to listen to a great number of times, and to present those to you. So, without any further ado, here's the first of our best of series. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Horizons Church Podcast. This is our inaugural episode, Uh, so we're really excited to bring this to you, and we hope that you're going to be encouraged and helped by what we talk about here during the course of the podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Pastor Steve. Uh, We're right in the middle um, of a series called In Between, where we're looking at uh, what happens to uh, people after they die and before uh, the resurrection that we talk about so much at Easter. Um, so there's a lot of confusion, it seems, uh, about what happens to us, uh, after we die and before our bodies are resurrected. Um, we get a lot of questions about that, um, especially around, you know, we had a lot of funerals recently and we get a lot of questions about what happens, um, in that, uh, that in between. So what I'd like to do is ask you to explore, uh, what happens exactly between uh, that moment of death and resurrection? What What's going on there? Okay. Well, glad to be with you. And uh, maybe we just start with uh, going back to what happens at death. Um, when God created man, he didn't create him as just a material being. Uh, he didn't create him with just a brain. He has a brain and a mind. He isn't just a body. He has a body that has a soul or a spirit. And so this this two-dimensional being called man, when he dies, James chapter 2, verse 26 says that these two things come apart. They separate. As, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead, is what he says. So he defines death theologically, not medically, but theologically, as the body and the spirit separating, the brain and the mind separating, this material and immaterial separating. So we know what happens to the body. I mean, the body, <clears throat> we place the body in a, in a casket, in a grave, or, and we, and, or we put him in, in that body in a mausoleum, or some way we, we know where the body goes. Right. The question becomes, what part, what about this other dimension of us, this, this part of us that's the immaterial? What happens to that. That's, and so for most of our questions, I think, revolve around what happens to that part of us. Uh, the body's going to be resurrected, but what happens to this immaterial part? That seems right. to be the questions that we're trying to, that's where we're trying to get some clarity around. Right. And there are a lot of, a lot of myths that seem to fill in uh, in the vacuum of uh, the lack of information that's disseminated about that. So I guess um, another question to ask is, so you said we know where the body goes. That's pretty obvious. We actually do see in Scripture terms used for uh, these places that uh, this immaterial spirit 
soul part seems to go to. Like in the Old Testament, you have Sheol. Correct. Yep. In the New Testament, you have terms like Hades. Um, you get uh, Abraham's bosom, like in yep. that parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Um, and then you get terms like the third heaven, and it, it all seems kind of all over the place, uh, which could be uh, confusing if you're just kind of reading through in a cursory way and right. trying to figure this all out. So um, explore that a little bit. Yeah, if you think about um, if you think about this as kind of a a drama, maybe a three part drama, Old Testament, death of Christ, New Testament, mm-hmm. something like that, a storyline. In the Old Testament, you have, of course, which is written in Hebrew, you have this this uh, this place called Sheol, and people in the Old Testament were said to go to Sheol, whether you were righteous or unrighteous, you went to Sheol, and. Um, when it was prophesied of about uh, the Messiah, he said, you're not going to leave my soul in Sheol and you won't let my body see corruption. Uh, the body goes in the grave, soul went Sheol. And so you, fi- you find these, these references again and again in the Old Testament. And Jesus comes in in, in our passage we looked at in this, um, this first message in the series uh, on the rich man Lazarus, Jesus comes in and, and helps, pulls back the curtain, lets us see into that world of Sheol, which the New Testament, the New Testament, of course, written in Greek, and it calls that world of Sheol, calls it Hades. So Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades, Hades in the New. Testament. The new. Okay. Uh, but it is this, this place and, um, where righteous and unrighteous people uh, the spirits of, or the immaterial aspect of human beings go. Uh, Jesus says, look, there's, there's two parts to Sheol. They're, they're adjacent, but they're separate, and they're very different experiences. And so in the Old Testament, right up to Jesus' experience, uh, what Jesus is talking about in the rich man Lazarus, whether you're talking about Sheol in the Old Testament or Hades in the New, it's, it's a one-place where with two sides, Jesus says there's a great gulf between the two. They can't, they can see, there is some kind of communication ability to see each other, um, but they cannot pass between them and um, they can't leave. They're, the righteous don't want to leave and the unrighteous can't. Right. And uh, <laughs> so they don't leave that place. They're permanent. And, um, and so that becomes, that becomes this two-part piece of it. So um, the other piece of it is when Jesus talks about this Hades, he says it's the, um, for the righteous, he says the righteous side is called Abraham's bosom or it's called uh, paradise. Um, it's a term for garden. It's, it's oh. yeah. And so it's the, uh, so anyway, you have this, this part of, of, the, uh, of Jesus' story, which says this place, this righteous side where the uh, Lazarus is is resting and enjoying the good things that God had for him. Well, those things are experienced in a place called paradise uh, or Abraham's bosom. So even on the thief on the cross, you remember when he's on the cross. Right. Uh, Jesus says today, you'll be with me in paradise. Correct, yeah. And so the one, the one thief says, I don't believe in you. He joins the rich man. Hmm. The, the, other, the other thief says... Remember me when you enter your kingdom. He goes with Jesus when he dies. Both of them die. They go to the paradise side. So paradise isn't determined by your destination and determined by whether you lived a good life. It's determined by whether you placed your faith in Christ right. or not or in what you put your, your confidence in, your faith in. But, but um, 
there is a consequence. That is, the decisions you make in this life have consequences in that life. So, um, but anyway, that's that's kind of the big picture of it, of how the Old Testament, right up to the time of Jesus, you have this this two this this one place adjacent sides to the same place. Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades in the New. So you keep saying um, up until the point of Jesus. Um, right and his his death on the cross and his resurrection. So, what exactly seems to have happened uh, to that whole world after Jesus? Yeah, that's the interesting thing here is that um, once you get to the other side of the cross, you find continued references to paradise, this good side. Nothing seems to have changed in the in the unrighteous side of the abode of, of dead souls and or of, of the, the abode of the souls of the lost. But for the righteous side, uh, things seem to have changed. For example, when in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about an experience that he had. This, of course, is after the, after the cross. Uh, he said, I know a man in the body, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Right. About, I think it was 15 years ago or something. He says, I had this experience and he said, I know this guy. He's talking about himself. And he says, and, and I, I went to, the, to paradise. And then he says, I went to the third heaven. So now paradise is not adjacent to Hades, uh, where the abode of the unrighteous lost are. Somehow it is now in the third heaven. So it's moved. It's moved. It's different. It's relocated. And Paul says, now, now this place called paradise is not adjacent to Hades. It is now in the third heaven. And of course, we have the, the atmosphere, which is first heaven. We have stellar space, the universe, second heaven. And he says, this is the third heaven. That is, it's a term that refers to a domain or a a world beyond our created world. So, so I guess another question that uh, comes to my mind as I'm thinking about this and I'm listening to this is why? Why does it have to move? Uh, what's the what's what's the significance of that? Like, is Jesus just being, you know, sneaky Jesus and being like, ah, we're just going to, you know, <laughs> chill out and just lead everybody up here? Uh, and what's going on with that? Yeah. Well, the I think what you see in like Ephesians 4 about verse 8 he says that when Jesus he descended into this place of the of called paradise uh, at his death but he said he also ascended and when he ascended out of that place that is through the resurrection he said he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men and um, so that seems to be the time and the place that that when he ascended when he left through resurrection he didn't just leave by himself he he relocated um, this this paradise side of Hades and took it to the third heaven. And so, if you look at even with Lazarus, he says he was in Abraham. He was at Abraham in Abraham's side or, or by his side. He was right. in Abraham's bosom. Um, but when you look at the believer in the New Testament, he doesn't say he goes to Abraham's. He doesn't go hang out with righteous, just the righteous people. He goes, he says, to be absent from the body in the New Testament is to be present with the Lord. Right. It's not absent from the body is hang out with Abraham. <laughs> it's absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so there's this, there's this substantial change, not in, not in the, uh, 
Uh, both of those are good, but if I get to hang out with Abraham or hang out with Jesus, <laughs> I'm hanging know. out with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a different deal. Uh, both are good, but and so the question is, um, why did this take place? Why why the relocation? Why does it take place? Why is the linchpin, the hid, the hinge of this, uh, at uh, with Jesus resurrecting and going and and going um, taking this back to his father? Well. I think, you know, you're trying to piece this together as best you can. That's what theology does. That's what, what we do in interpreting the Bibles. We take all the relevant material, put it together, and try to make a coherent, something coherent out of it that makes sense of it. It tells a coherent story, a self-consistent story. I think the story goes something like this. In the Old Testament, people had a promise, mm-hmm. a promise that a Messiah, a Savior, was coming. The picture of that promise was a sacrifice, right? A lamb, a bull, a goat, and that animal gave its life for the sins of the person. And they placed their hand upon that animal to be their substitute. But their 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 faith was not in the animal. Their faith was in in the in the coming Messiah that this animal pictured. Right. But Hebrews chapter ten verses four and five tells us the blood of bulls and goats cannot remove sin. It can cover it. In fact, the Old Testament word for atonement is the word kafar, to to cover. Uh, think about it like you got garbage in your house. You want to get the garbage out of your house, you put it out in a trash can, and you put a lid on it. You've kafared it. You've covered it. All right? <laughs> like in a new term for taking out the trash. <laughs> yeah. You haven't removed it. You've just you've just covered it up so you can t- you can be around it. Right. Okay. So the Old Testament saint, was he really saved? Absolutely he was really saved. Was he forgiven? Sure he was forgiven. Was his sin taken away? No, not yet. Hmm. He, if you thought of it in these terms, it, 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 it might help to think of it like this. The Old Testament saint was saved on credit. Mm-hmm. God said, I will honor this and I will forgive your sins and I'll give you eternal life. But somebody's got to come and pay for these things because the trash is still outside and, the, and you just got it covered. It hasn't been taken away. It hasn't been taken away. And then you have this moment where Jesus shows up with John the Baptist. He sees John the Baptist sees him coming, and he points to him. He says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes, takes away, away the sin of the world." He doesn't yeah. cover it. He doesn't cover it. He actually removes it. He takes it away. So when Jesus comes into this world of ours and dies on a cross, he's not just paying for present sins and future sins. He's also paying for the past sins. We have this scene in the Transfiguration where. Moses and Elijah show up. Right. And of all things they want to talk about with Jesus, the person who has been promised for thousands of years to come, the one thing they want to talk about is his, his death, death. <laughs> his, his exodus. Uh, Why yeah. you want to talk about his Jeez, ex- Moses. You know, he hasn't <laughs> even on, died. Man. <laughs> he hasn't even died yet. Why do <laughs> you want to talk about him? What a downer. Uh. You know, well, they want to talk about it because they got a vested interest in that death. If he doesn't go through with it, their, their, their sins are on credit. He's got to pay for them. And so they want to know, you know, how <laughs> are you really going to go through this? Yeah, Jesus? <laughs> is this going to happen <laughs> or not? Come on, man. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Jesus dies, and he doesn't just cover the sin, he takes away the sin. And that creates a place where we are not just hanging out with Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're absent from the body, you're in the third heaven, your spirit, this immaterial part of us, joins our Savior, we're sworn, joins God in the third heaven, and absent with the body is now present with the Lord. So uh, that becomes uh, the storyline. You have this yeah. Old Testament where it's together, Sins are forgiven on credit. 
Uh, Jesus comes, pays for those sins in full. It is finished, he says. Um, he resurrects from the dead, descends into, uh, into Hades, the good side, paradise. When he leaves, he takes it with him because he's paid for the sins of these people, takes him to the third heaven. And now, currently, when we pass from this earth and this, this existence, our body and spirit separate he says, absent of the bodies to be home, present with the Lord in the third heaven. And, of course, that's a temporary condition right. until our bodies are resurrected and put back together. Yeah. So it's basically we're one step closer uh, to yeah. the final state of things, yeah. the restoration yeah, this, and all that. This time between death and and resurrection is often called in in. By theologians, the intermediate state, because it's not the final state. Right. It's not the it's not the um, forever state. It's the intermediate state until body and soul are reunited in resurrection, and and then we have a an experience that shifts again and takes us into what we would call normally call refer to as heaven or the pearly gates or all those kinds yes, of things. Yes, all those yeah. fun terms. Yeah, so uh, a whole other set of terms. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so here's maybe just one more. Uh, question that we might be able to touch on a little bit uh, without getting too far into the weeds, but uh, you kind of hear um, terms like, are there degrees of, you know, this side or that side? Um, What's the deal with all that? Because I think that can lead to a lot of confusion for people. Yeah. Okay. Well, the question I think becomes if there's degrees of reward for Christians, right? which the Bible teaches a degree of reward. I mean, every man's works will be examined and he will be, he will be rewarded according to his works. Uh, is the same thing true of the lost man? Does, does, um, does the guy who's um, uh, Sam the sinner get the same, uh, same end as Adolf Hitler? You know, <laughs> that's the question, you know, uh. um, so uh, it might help to just kind of think through this again and uh, how it works. If you think of this, this state where we're talking about this in-between state, and then you talk about the final state, mm-hmm. um, we have um, in between those two states, there's a judgment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you think of Hades uh, for the lost man, Hades is like the local jail. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's going to be held in local jail until he gets to the great weight throne judgment. He says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, heaven and earth fled away, and every man was judged according to his deeds. Now, if you end up at that judgment, you end up at that judgment because you, you didn't place faith in Christ. Your, now, your deeds determine he's going to look at your deeds, but you got there. If you got to that judgment, you're in a bad place. Yeah. Right. Believers end up, followers of Jesus end up at a different judgment. He said, we all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and our our service to Christ and the way we lived our life is going to be examined, and we receive a reward. We don't get there. The way we live our life now doesn't earn that. You get there to one of those two judgments by faith in Christ or not. Whether you rejected and wanted your life to be without God, without Christ, or you wanted it to be uh, faith in Christ, and you want your life to be connected to God. Right. You make that decision. You determine by that decision which of these two judgments you're going to show up. Right. At. Okay. So we know that with the righteous, those people that put their faith in Christ, are going to show up at something called the 
judgment seat of Christ. And there's going to be a degrees, different degrees of reward based upon degrees of faithfulness to Christ and service. And um, we all get that. The other side of it is, does the same thing happen with lost people? Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus gives us a little glimpse of what might, how that works in uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 21 to 23, um, or chapter 11, verses 21 to 23. He talks to, he's talking to what he was called the cities of privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, tire, he talks about uh, these cities where he spent most of his time. In right. His, in, um, in the, around the, the Sea of Galilee, and these Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, these cities who just had huge amounts of of opportunity to hear Jesus, see miracles. I mean, during his during his three and a half year ministry, he spent two thirds of his time up there teaching, doing miracles. I mean, I imagine. I imagine disease and and sickness took a major hit. Because <laughs> everybody's wanting to move to these places. Yeah, cause... this became the hot spot to live, you know. Um, but anyway, now he turns to those to those who have seen all this, and he says, "You've seen this for over two years of this, and yet you won't believe." Mm, yeah. Any and, and it's obvious their unbelief is going to land them at the great white throne judgment. But he says, just like it lands Tyre and Sidon, and just like it lands Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he says, but it will be better for Tyre and Sidon, and it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for you. Well, that mm. suggests that there's something happening there. <laughs> that there is a degree, there's some kind of a degree of accountability and degree of uh, consequence in, right. in hell. And it isn't based solely on how good or bad you were. It's also based on opportunity. Right. These people had tremendous opportunity to see, to hear, and respond. And they thumbed their nose at it and defied it and said, no, thank you, I'll live my life without God and without his Messiah. And when you choose that, you've chosen to end up at a, at a judgment that says, this is what you want, okay, this is what you get. And when you go to, when, what hell is, is, is this place where not only do you get the just results or the just, you, you pay your own wage for your own sin. Jesus paid our wage for our sins on the cross. He paid the consequence. There's that, but there's also right now, when you say, I want, I want a life, I want to live my life without God, without his Messiah. If you get that wish, you don't get any of the benefits of God in your life. Right. I mean, right now the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Whether you believe in God or not, you get the benefits, some of the benefits of God. Um, You get get to enjoy his his creation. You get the the, his rain falls on your your crops just like the other guy. You you get to enjoy the uh, the pleasures of your children. All these things happen. But if you choose a life without God, if that's your choice, and He grants it to you, you not only live your life without without God's forgiveness, you live it without His benefits. Yeah. And that's called hell. Um, and so part of it is, what are my choices? But the other part is, how much opportunity did I have to make this right. choice? And the higher the opportunity, and the more, and, and when a person defies that, the worse it is for them. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's degrees of reward and there's degrees of punishment. I don't know that Dante got it all right. Yeah. This, uh, but, uh, <laughs> this is all his circles. Yeah, his circles. His nine, inferno. <laughs> yeah, nine circles of hell. But he kind of embellished that whole thing. But yeah. uh, but the, Jesus intimated that there would be. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, I think I, I speak for um, all of the the 
church staff when I say that uh, our hope for this kind of conversation and the conversations that we have, you know, on our weekends with this series in particular, uh, we don't want it to just be, you know, this could be just fun trivia for you. But uh, I think it's our hope that knowing all this will give uh, the folks that listen confidence to know yes. uh, what's waiting for them. And that will influence how they live now. Yeah, I think it was right. Peter that said, uh, in light of this, is how the world ends and this is how our life ends, what kind of men should we be? Right. How then should yeah. we live? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a shadow that uh, the eternity has a shadow to cast it back on life now, and it says in light of eternity, in light of this is how things work uh, in reality. How do we live in this world? Right. right yeah. Now? Absolutely. Well, Steve, thank you for elucidating this very. Uh, Mysterious and foggy topic for us. (laughs) (laughs) And if uh, we we get any uh, angry emails, I'll be sure to forward them on to you. I appreciate that. Uh, Well, thank you all for tuning in and joining us for this episode. Uh, We hope to hear you back again uh, here in a couple weeks. Thank you for joining us. Mm